Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic start, middle, or end of your week, whenever you're choosing to tune in. This week's guest is my good friend, Phoebe Mrochek. So Phoebe is the host at the Unbecoming Podcast, which is a fantastic show that's actually very aligned with Stay Grounded in many ways. And we'll dive into that later in the intro and in the episode itself. And also, this was actually one of the first episodes that we ever filmed in front of a live audience, where we had some of you listeners actually asking questions as the episode was being filmed. So you guys are in for a treat on this one, because Phoebe is a phenomenal human being, and I'm going to introduce her now. So at the age of five, Phoebe thought she had it all figured out. All she ever wanted to do was play soccer professionally, and she was good enough. But when she hit 21, she realized soccer wasn't her destiny. That revelation left a massive void in Phoebe's life, and she had to figure out how to close it. But letting go of soccer made Phoebe realize that you don't have to restrict yourself to a single identity or passion. Instead, you can pick and choose who you want to be and how you want to show up on a daily basis. Uh, This empowered Phoebe to create a life on her terms that's a full expression of who she wants to be. It's how she travels extensively, podcasts regularly, and builds an aligned business that lights her up. And now she shows other entrepreneurs how they can build successful businesses that are an extension of who they are. I love Phoebe. Phoebe was one of the first friends that I met when I moved to Austin and she's full of light, love and everything in between. And I learned so much on this episode, not only about Phoebe and how she's created a journey from moving so much to starting several businesses, to closing chapters and opening new ones, to, I mean, even technical things like techniques that she uses to never feel misunderstood and how she uses and how she leverages business as the strongest form of self-expression, which is something that I'm constantly trying to figure out, not only with Stay Grounded, but with Java Press and everything we do in both vehicles. So I loved this episode. I love talking to Phoebe. And I think you guys are going to fall in love, not only with everything that Phoebe shares, but who she is as a human being. You can feel her heart from a million miles away. And I can't wait for you all to experience Phoebe the way I did on this beautiful conversation and, um, and time together with my good friend. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us on any of the podcast apps. We are all over the place. Let me know what you love about this episode in the reviews and hope you guys really enjoy this one and hope you guys are taking this as inspiration to use whatever vehicle is in front of you, whether it's business, whether it's a job, whatever you are choosing to put your time and energy into to create a life and legacy and just time on this planet that you love. So without further ado, here is my good friend, Mrs. Phoebe Rochek. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to another episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj, and uh, who am I sitting next to today? The amazing Phoebe Morocek. I love that you just introduced yourself with, oh. this, the, like, I, I was getting, I was getting ready to say it myself, but you said it. 
But that's okay, Phoebe. That's okay. We'll make it work. Uh, I'm so excited for you to be here today. Thank you. We were relatively new friends as we moved to Austin. You moved to Austin around the same time I did. And then, uh, so I'm just really glad that there's somebody who's new in Austin who also podcasts, yeah. who also has an amazing story that I can't wait to dive into. Thank you. I am so excited. And yeah, when I saw you the first time at a joint friends party and I was like, oh, I had no idea you you moved here. So I'm excited to see a familiar face and just to kind of dive in today and get to know you better. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get started. You have an amazing bio, might I add. Mm. Like I had a lot of fun just <laughs> reading about you and learning about you and, and just figuring out everything that you're up to. One thing that came out and stood out to me the most though, uh, when I was reading through your story is I think you mentioned something about how your business is an extension of a personal foundation. Mm-hmm. That really the bedrock of what you do is is based on your own personal identity and growth. So how do you think, have you always believed that? Or was that something that kind of came after your own rocky road of building your business and then realizing burnout? Or like, tell me the story just in general yeah. on how that fundamental piece of identity-based business uh, came to be. That has not been my experience throughout my journey, I would say. I think it probably started maybe two, three years ago when I was, I started to put, basically put pieces together. So I originally started off in business in Mary Kay when I was 19 and saw different elements of building a cosmetic business that I just, I decided, okay, I think I can do this. I think I'm good at sales, but only because I really believe in it. So I can't sell anything that I don't believe in. So that then transformed into kind of Facebook ads. Actually, it started off with Canva. So, which, Canva, good old Canva. <laughs> which not that many people know, but my people from my Canva days like are true fans. So <laughs> I love them. But I basically started off just doing what I knew how to do. What could I already teach people that I felt really confident in? So I went from basically Canva to like Facebook ads to funnels. And I just was like going through the motions, realizing that like I actually didn't care that much, but I liked the reaction I was getting from people. So I was helping them build a life or build a business that they were really excited about. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, I was not that psyched about what I was building. And I got into business. I had a business partner for a little while. And I just was like seeing these common themes that I I just felt like really bored. I definitely hit burnout. And that's when I realized, okay, there is something to be said for the different areas of my life. And where my business is not going right is also where my personal relationships or my health and fitness, it's all tied together. So that's when I started to realize and just started to do research and just acknowledging and really paying very close attention to how my personal life was showing up through my business. So, you know, I talk about building a business as an extension of yourself. So when you're not working, your business is not working and vice versa. When your health is not working, your business isn't working, which also means your relationships aren't working. And there are different elements to that. So once I put that to the test, it just something clicked for me. And I thought, oh my God, this whole time, a very common theme throughout my life has been, who am I? Am I the adventurer? Am I the soccer player? Am I the entrepreneur? You know, it's, and it had to be one thing. And so that's where all of that started. Man, that's, I love that you started channeling these different identities because I think most people get locked into a single identity right? Like I have to be this. And then they try channeling this through every part of life. But what I love about what you just said is that you get to have as many identities as you choose, 
When did you start to play with identities and when did you start to see them actually show up in your life and business in different ways? And was it always graceful being able to (laughs) kind of navigate the different hats that you're wearing in business or in relationships or did you have a learning period? I think the whole thing has been a learning period for me. And I'm very open about the fact that, I mean, we're all always learning, but it really started, I would say about four years ago that I started to pay closer attention to it. And I realized that just looking at themes in my life. So I grew up as a soccer player. So from the age of five, my goal was to play division one college soccer. And I got there and I was like, this is it. Like that was my reaction. I was like, this is terrible. I mean, there were moments of it that were really great, but it was that moment where I just decided this isn't right, but who am I now? If I step out of that box, what box am I stepping into? And then what box do I step into? And I didn't realize that you could have one foot in this box and one foot in this box and an arm, it's like twister, and then an arm in here and, you know, it's like right, right hand on red. And, and that for me, when, when I started to look back at that, I realized how much I struggled with it because I felt like everyone in my life, I'm from a very high performing, high achieving family, and everyone in my family had like gone to school and become the thing that they went to school for. And that was like, that's never been my experience. I went to school for business and marketing, but I changed my major seven times. (laughs) So if that's any indication of kind of how I was feeling, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And even still, I'm still figuring it all out. But I just watched and pulled out the red threads from, I mean, really my 20s, but even further back in my teens, just trying to figure out and how much I suffered (laughs) putting myself through this angst and anxiety around if I'm not the soccer player, who am I? And that stalled my decision for about six months because I just had no idea. And I thought, I can't just be nobody. And even when I quit soccer, everyone's like, oh my God, how's your mom handling it? How is your family dealing with it? I'm like, what about me? (laughs) Like, I'm not dealing with this very well because I don't understand what I'm allowed to be and that you can be more than one thing. So you gave yourself the allowance Mm. to be more than one thing. How did that change your identity as an entrepreneur? when you started giving yourself the opportunity to be more than one thing? It just made me so much more creative. I think the permission that I gave myself to actually follow the curiosity, which is what I think Liz Gilbert talks about. And when I saw her soul session on that, I just thought that is my life. I have just always been interested, but I've also always been hiding these pieces. So when I was working in corporate, I had a side like events business doing singles events, pub crawls and wine tastings, but I didn't share that. Because I didn't want them to know, because this is Phoebe who shows up on time for work and I'm good at my job and all this. But behind the scenes, all my other friends knew me as Phoebe the party planner and Phoebe the one who's engaging and inclusive, but I didn't tell them about my job. So it was just a very compartmentalized life that I was leading. And so as I kind of broke out of that and I'm still doing that, it just gives me so much more flexibility, so much more patience and acceptance with myself being like, this is great that I can do this. I can try it. It can suck or it could be awesome, but I'm going to follow the feeling of how I want to feel. And so that has made me a better entrepreneur, a better friend, a better you know, coach and mentor, a better sister, all of these things. So it's just, it like broke this dam that I felt like I've been dammed up my whole life. And then all of a sudden it was like permission to do whatever I want and it to have a lot of fun. Gives you like the certainty almost. Totally. Like it's like this expansive, like, you know, most people are trying to do one thing really, really, really well, mm-hmm. right? And then they pigeonhole themselves. And then when it comes time to grow or change or thrive because they haven't actually pursued the feeling, which you just mm-hmm. mentioned, and I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think pursuing feelings, I've talked about this before, but when you pursue a feeling, 
essentially you're not really pursuing any one thing. Mm -hmm. You're pursuing anything that feels like that. So if you're pursuing fulfillment or happiness, entrepreneurship is one vehicle to get that. Yep. But so is love. So is learning a new skill. So is performing. Like there's so many ways to get to that point. And I think what's fascinated me always about you, Phoebe, is that you literally just decide what you want to mm. do. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be anything to do with what you're doing right now. And you just jump right in <laughs> because you've built a business, a brand, an identity in yourself that gives you the certainty to do that. How has that evolved over the years? I mean, you have the Unbecoming podcast. I know you're coming out with a new one. I think it was the, the one in Austin. Yep. So like you seem to be just having so many projects and you're jumping in with two feet. Where does that certainty come from for you? I think I've just always been able to bet on myself. Like I think as a kid, being able to kind of figure out where my role was. So as a kid, my role was the athletic one. That was always kind of the way that I saw my life. And so that certainty was like, if all else failed, right? Actually, that's such a good question because it's causing me to question everything. And so when I was 18, my dad passed away pretty suddenly. And I think that that really was like a rock bottom moment for me where everything I thought was one way was not the way. And so it, I just always know what that feeling felt like. And I'm like, okay, well, I survived it. You know, did I thrive through it? Probably not. I like suppressed it for about 10 years. But <laughs> then when I actually got through, I was like, okay, now I can deal with anything. And I'm very much the, well, the decision that I made in that moment was do what you want and do it now because you never know what's going to happen. And I, one of the things I talk about as far as like my coaching clients is I think it takes a major catastrophe for people to wake up, for people to tell someone they love them, to write the note, to start the business, to do whatever it is. And I've just always thought, I'm going to do it today. Even if I'm like really angry at somebody, I'll always, I hate going to bed thinking I should have said something. Why do you think people need a catastrophe in order to do the things that they've always wanted to do? Because it just shakes them up and it shows them, I think, so clearly their mortality, their maybe this isn't the way that they thought it was going to be. And if that person, I mean, this is, this happens all the time. I mean, you know this, but I have had several situations where I'm like, oh my God, it just, what am I doing with my life? Like if this person went too soon, what if that were me, right? And it gets into that conversation where if that were me, would I be proud of who I am? And do I have a legacy? Would anybody remember me? And so to hear, to like really consider that when I, when I was 18 and then several times I've had these moments where I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And so that causes me to question so much of who I am, how I'm helping people. I think as entrepreneurs, people get so tied into email lists and how big is your business, whatever. I'm like, am I helping somebody today? Did I do that? Awesome. Did I make a difference in someone's life today? And if I can say yes, today's a great day. And tomorrow, hopefully, will be another great day. I don't know, but I want to make sure that, you know, today is a day that I feel really proud of and that I feel like I represented myself really well. I love that. You know, it's kind of funny. You talk about, like, who did I help today? Mm. I think you and I have talked about this, actually. Whenever I feel overwhelmed, anxious, or thoughts about the future or anything, the one thing that always grounds me and brings me back to where I am is just, who am I helping? Mm. And, and it doesn't matter. And I think just that simple touch, like getting connected back to that purpose, getting connected back to that why behind whatever you're up to and mm. the why behind the business and the scale and all that, but really coming down to the fundamental basics of why. Mm -hmm. I think we forget our whys yep. a lot. 
How do you remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing? So I believe that for me, purpose has so much pressure behind it. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but I always felt like, what is my purpose? And it's again, that one thing. And so I always felt like everything was very rigid. And so I struggled. I mean, my entire 20s was trying to figure out what my purpose is. And instead, it was just so much more pressure and I couldn't see anything. So in the last three, four years, it was like, well, what if this is just a season of purpose, just like it is a season of business, a season of life, a season of a relationship. And so when I started to look at that, it was just like this weight again was like lifted where I was like, okay, today my purpose is this. Maybe tomorrow it will be different, but here's how I feel grounded in my purpose today. And so to remind myself of my why, there are common themes in my why, but it evolves for sure. So for me right now, it's just to help people truly live. So I always, I'm like, I'm an advocate for really living. And what does that mean? I don't know. Tomorrow it's going to be different, but today I'm going to have a blast at life doing something, you know, recording a podcast with you and then, you know, journaling or something, whatever I want to do, but something that makes me feel really great. Like I'm really alive. Cause I think that is just so important. I love the idea of having multiple purposes or multiple Mm. whys. Do you think it all comes from one source? Yeah. I mean, I think there are, if I look at all of like my, if I lined my whys up (laughs) for the last couple of years, I'm like, it's, (laughs) I could like pull out the common themes, right. Of like, yeah, this adventure, like I, I think that our whys are so much in alignment with our values And I think our values change. And John Demartini, I've been studying a lot of his stuff, and he says that our values are just as unique as our fingerprints. And I love that because how I view honesty is not how you view honesty. Mm, And maybe that's not what you value, right, in the same way that I do. So mine in this season of life that I'm in is adventure and travel, connection and learning. And everything is connected to that. So when I look at my why, if I connect more to my values than I do to like this being an advocate for really living— like merging the two of those, it's a fusion that now that becomes the lens through which I look at everything. Yep. So what would make this feel more adventurous? What would make this feel like I could facilitate a better connection? Like how could I create more learning in my life? And so that's sort of navigating my why and figuring that out. Yeah. And it always feels like you're going towards a North Star because totally. it's based on values that come from something real for you. Exactly. And which I am a wholehearted advocate of. Like I, I, I've always believed that one, your values are an extension of not just what you want, but who you want to be. Totally. And so your who you want to be is kind of like that North star. Mm. It's like that hero, if you would, in, in, in the horizon. And when you extrapolate those values, like that person might have a million things that are mm. going well for them. But what I like most of all you just said is that you can, you just pick three that feel right to you right now. Yeah. How do you cultivate that feeling of right? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, they either don't trust the voice, they start to question, they might take opinions from people that know nothing about them to help them figure that out. How do you know when the values you're choosing or how do you know when the purpose you're chasing or how do you trust that the season of life you're in is actually the season of life you're supposed to be in? I mean, I think it's just as easy as that is that you, A, you just have to decide that it is, right? Like you just have to be okay with where you are. I mean, I can say that now being all high and mighty, but how, you know, how I've really felt, it doesn't reflect that, right? I've always struggled because I doubt my, I've doubted myself forever. And then I just decided, so I felt like for my twenties, I operated under the assumption that nobody knew what I was going through. 
And then I just flipped it and was like, what if I operated under the assumption that everybody is going through what I'm going through? And that just like changed everything. All my conversations, I was like, he's going through the same thing I'm going through. Awesome. So now we can connect over, like, I think we get so lost in the details, but where we really connect is that like those core emotions. So I can tell you about moving to, from San Francisco to Austin. You can talk to me about moving from Houston to Austin. It's the exact same thing in, well, it's the exact opposite thing really in terms of details, but the move, right. It's like that feeling of, is this right? Like the doubting yourself, the like, oh my God, this is awesome. I think this is really great. Like we can talk about that where we just get lost in that self-doubt self, like, you know, the questioning of, is this right? And I think we know, and I think it's really my mantra moving from San Francisco to here was you don't know until you go. And that's all I kept saying to myself. I was like, I don't know until I go. I don't know until I go. I didn't know if this was a right move. I didn't, this was the only place I've ever moved that I knew somebody before I came here. Everywhere else I've moved, I just, I haven't known anybody. But Austin is a really random choice for me. But I just, I felt like I had to go. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I can move tomorrow. I could go for 90 days. And if I hate it, I change permission granted to change my mind. And I just like felt in my body that's where I have to go. And when people are like, why'd you move there? I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like I had to, but like being okay with that. So I think it's a feeling in my body and then a decision that like, this is what I'm going to test out. I live my life as a set of experiments. I'm like, if today it doesn't feel good, great. Hopefully tomorrow it will. If it doesn't, I get to change my mind. I have so many damn questions for you. You're making making my job so hard. (laughs) Um, Like seriously, like I I can go take this in a million different directions. Mm. So I'm going to say one thing because I want to acknowledge something. I love the idea of just knowing or operating under the knowing that everyone has gone through exactly what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. That removes the fear of social interaction altogether. Totally. You feel understood in public. You feel connected to people. I mean, like that's a really powerful tool for just getting people to like building really good relationships. I think that's the biggest problem people have when they're making new friends. They, they feel like you, you open up on the third or fourth date kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Yep. But when you come in with that attitude, you're coming in with this just full faith that this person's going to understand you right off the bat. That is just brilliant to me. I mean, my leading value I get is fun. And then it just turns it and it becomes fun. It becomes a scavenger hunt now for me to figure out when you once felt lonely because I did too. And then we get to connect in those pieces and those moments, that connection, the conversation that we can have to actually arrive there, that becomes a fun process now. And it doesn't become scary. And now, you know, I'm naked in public. It's like, well, no, like I'm going to tell you about a time that I felt lonely and I'm going to go first because I know that you can relate to something I'm about to say, and I don't know when that's going to hit for you. But if I just keep talking long enough, you'll find something and we'll connect. And I think it is that just trusting that I'm here. I'm exactly where I need to be right now. I'm talking to exactly who I need to be talking to. And some things, I don't know why or who to trust or whatever, but just that like firm belief and trust that I'm exactly where I need to be. You know, You've traveled a ton too. Hmm. You've been to 60 something countries and you've been around, done a lot of interesting experiences. Do you think that you have this trust and this confidence in yourself to just be in random rooms or have random conversations or move to random cities because of any experiences you've collected along the way? Or is there something that listeners can bring together, even if they haven't traveled the world to bring back the wisdom that you, you collected on those journeys? My adventure career (laughs) at one point was basically travel as much as I can, get the t-shirt, tick the box, do the thing, take a picture, post it on Facebook. And 
I'm not sure. Well, I don't even know if Facebook was, I mean, it was still big, obviously in my twenties, but it wasn't, I sound like I'm like 85 years old, Um, (laughs) but it didn't feel like there was a lot of intention behind it until I probably got to my late twenties. And I was like, oh, I can go anywhere, but just in the same way that I can be in some random city in Egypt, I can also be in some random back alley in Austin. So it's not, again, it's about the feeling. It's about cultivating for me something that's so important, which is adventure and is like that exhilaration of, well, how am I going to adventure today? So I try to like incorporate adventure, learning and connection into every day, into like my morning routine, into how I do life. I mean, I'm not going to book a plane ticket today, but what I am going to do is, yeah, I'm going to walk to a different coffee shop today. I'm going to go to a park and I'm going to sit there for an uncomfortable amount of time. You know, I'm going to have a conversation with a stranger, like something to evoke that emotion in myself. But it, again, it doesn't matter what the details are. It's how committed I am to actually achieving that adventure piece. So it doesn't matter if you haven't been to all these countries. What matters is, is that important to you? And if it's not important to you, then great. What is important to you? If it is important to you, then how do you create that today? How do you create that feeling right now? What's important is that, you know, like, I think the same discomfort you experience when you're talking to someone you don't know is going to be similar to the discomfort you feel when you're doing something you don't know how to do. Like, yeah, they're transferable, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if you're growing a business, or if you're meeting new people, or if you're trying something new, learning a new skill, like there's going to be discomfort. So I think it's valuable to just Put yourself in those types of situations because those skills are easily transferable. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm like a little, I'm stumbling right now, Phoebe. I don't stumble usually. <laughs> You're getting me stumbling because, well, one, I, I love how open and free and, mm. and trusting you are with the process. The process is something that I think most people find doubt in. Mm-hmm. Like as they're growing something or changing a part of their life or moving. I mean, the process is what people get impatient with. And to me, I just, I, I'm feeling a lot of grace with your relationship with the process. So how, how did that come about? And, mm. and, and how do you, how do you make that real? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. I think it's one of my favorite things about you is just mm. how open you are to trying new things, to saying yes to places and, and just doing more than thinking. So there's so many things I could say to that. The first one is I just, I so appreciate that because that is not how it has felt a lot of the times. And I just made this connection a couple months ago when I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, I just said, so much of what I'm doing feels outcome-based, right? Whatever that outcome is, it feels outcome-based. And he's like, well, Phoebe, you grew up as an athlete. Like it didn't matter. What mattered was the scoreboard, not how you played the game. And I was like, totally. I thought, wow, how amazing is that? But I think my outcomes are different. My outcomes are very small celebratory wins. What can I do today that's going to set me up for a win? So my morning routine is like, I want three wins before 9 a.m. But my wins are like, I made my bed. I drank a big glass of water. You know, my wins are so much smaller. And so in the process, I've had that mentality that, which has served me and also not served me in certain ways. But if I believe that I'm here exactly where I am at the right place, then it's all served me. But I don't believe in a bad decision. And I also, so that just removes so much pressure. And I also just feel like if I create a way for me to really embrace what I'm doing and the process and just trusting what it is, something great's going to come of it. And so my outcome is not that I'm going to, let's say like, I'm not going to get married. It's like my outcome is going to be that I actually left the house 
you know, like that's an outcome for me. So I'm so much more focused now on the habits as opposed to the outcome. So what habits am I building consistently? And I'm very gentle with myself now when, I mean, my entire, that decade of my twenties was so brutal. Like it was so brutal. And I feel so bad (laughs) for like my 20 year old, 20 to 29 year old Phoebe. Cause she just, I put her through the ringer every day. It was just like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not. And that's why I was going to all these places and having the big experiences because I didn't want to have the deep conversation with myself about how I hadn't handled a lot of my past. And so when I actually could remove that part and say, okay, now I can have the deep conversations about what I really want out of life and who I really am. And even when you were saying like, you know, in the future, your North Star is who you're becoming to stay on brand, I would say it's (laughs) unbecoming, but it really is who you actually are. Right. Like if I tell you that if you were a professional soccer player, like there's proof somewhere in your career, you know, I know you're a tennis player. And so like there's proof that you have that ability in you. It's just you haven't chosen that as a priority. So if you made that a priority, maybe that could happen. I think it could. But it's just all what we're looking for as as far as evidence to support whatever the decision of who we actually are. You know, not who we're becoming, but it's the layers of crap that we've piled on ourselves. And then when you start to take the layers off one by one, you realize that you're actually the person that you wanted to be in the first place. (laughs) So many questions. So you mentioned something amazing about the tennis player example, Mm. right? You know, I at one point did want to be a professional tennis player Mm. and I let pressure, I let family, I let parent, I let a lot of things get in the way Mm -hmm. of me actually having that. I see a lot of parallels with that and just doing things that, you know, people have never done before. Like, I can't be alone. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yep. So let's say you want something in your life. Let's say you decide you want, let's say, a different financial outcome, or yep. let's say a different health, but no one in your immediate circles had it. You've never experienced it. How do you even know what that feels like to go get it? Like, because I've always believed that you can't really experience something that you don't, ex- like, you can't achieve something you don't experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to know that it even exists for you to go get it. So I guess like if I had to go back and talk to my you know, 16-year-old self who was playing eight hours of tennis a day, mm. how would I rewire that 16-year-old kid's brain to actually believe that he could be a professional tennis player? It's such a good question. And I've actually thought about this because, I mean, obviously with being a professional soccer player, that's all I ever wanted to be. And I just think, A, I would ask that 16-year-old self, like, why is that important? Because a lot of times we don't know. We just have, like, said it for so long. So at 16, I was like, well, yeah, I want to be a professional soccer player. Then I got to 21, and I was like, I mean, there's, like, a crossroads, right? Like, I could have had that. I don't know. But I think if that had continued to be a priority for me, it could have happened. But at 16 or at any age, it's like, why is that important to you? What do you think you're going to get out of it? And And are you okay going through the process knowing that in three weeks that could change? Like how obsessed with you are the, are you with the outcome as opposed to how obsessed with the process are you, right? And then developing the habits. So in order for me to be a professional tennis player, to use your example, what needs to happen? How do I reverse engineer that to a daily goal? What is the daily habit? Yeah, you're playing eight hours of tennis. Are you really focused on what it is, what skill you need to develop to actually become or unbecome, well, say become, the, 
that's more applicable, but um, to actually become the professional soccer player, right? Or tennis player. And so it's building the daily habits, which I had never heard of until a couple of years ago. I was like, oh my God, light bulb moment. I have been doing this all wrong. Cause I was just, I kept doing it in cycles of years, which is just a ton of pressure and like not enough urgency for me. So to know you know, my questions to people whenever I talk about their jobs, I'm always like, well, what, is, like, what actually does that mean? Like, I want to know, what do you do every day? What does that look like? Are you in front of the computer? Are you talking to people? Like, but that's just a curiosity for me. So I think the 16-year-old you would just have to reverse engineer. What does that look like? And also, I, have a, I can speak from only myself and my own experiences, but I have a wild imagination where I can be there. I see myself at 45 and what I look like and what my life looks like and whatever. And I'm so committed to that, that like I can close my eyes and I see it in a second. Cause I do visualizations and I really believe strongly in that. But the visualizations for me are so much more around the feeling, but it's a full sensory thing. So for the 16 year old, what does the tennis court smell like? Mm-hmm. What does Wimbledon smell like? What is the, what are you hearing? What are you tasting? Are you chewing gum? Is it dry? Are you, you know, what's going on in your head? Just having that full sensory experience, I think for me has been the most powerful thing because I know what that, you know, in Mary Kay, we used to talk about the pink Cadillac. I knew what it smelled like. I knew what the leather felt like, you know, on my legs. I knew what it felt like on my arms. Like I just could feel it. I could see it. I think that's brilliant. What I love most is you started with the question, why do you want to be Mm. a professional tennis player? To think if you try doing all these things without that piece figured out. It doesn't matter. Right. Like you'll you'll visualize it, you'll feel it, but you won't be committed to the daily action that's required in order to change and create that reality. Yeah. That's a brilliant answer, by the way. And I'm actually wish I had someone like you in my life at 16. <laughs> that's so, why I like mentor young teenage girls yeah, now because too, I yeah. love it. Yeah. It's like, God, I wish I had known that. <laughs> I'm not going to say I didn't have great mentors in my mm-hmm. life. I had a lot of great mentors in my life, but I think that we as a society, we carry on the unlived lives of the people around us. You know, like parents, for example, like parents force their kids to do things that they've always wanted to do in their lives. Yeah. Like coaches might push you to do things that they never experienced in their lives. And so I think at 16 myself, I mean, I was experiencing so many unhappened realities mm. from so many people that it made me question my own. A hundred. That was totally my experience too. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, you. how do you figure out what's important for you when the people guiding you don't know what's important for them? Mm-hmm. Or like, or like, you know, like, so it's, so I think as much as it is even visualizing and finding that purpose, I think it is also having people in your life that are clear mm-hmm. and crystal clear on how you're going to get there. I think actually this is something I realized the other day. I was talking to a coach of mine and we were talking about like visualizing and the law of attraction. And like, we're talking about just like getting all that in our lives. People would spend more time visualizing, attracting, getting like, and thinking about all the things they want instead of just asking people who could give them that tomorrow. (laughs) Totally. Just like, I mean, and I realized that like there were things in my life that I was like, oh, it's going to take me two years to accomplish until I just asked somebody, they gave me shortcuts that cut everything out. And then I got anxious. Then I got scared. Why do you think I got scared? I guess from your own perspective. I mean, I love this whole process because I think asking a question for something triggers a lot of like worthiness issues. You don't believe that you're deserving of it. So then when somebody gets it, it can't be that easy, right? Because we've always been told that you've got to work hard and long hours and whatever to get the things that you want to get. But when it comes easily, we doubt where, you know, and I have this a lot in my life and I have to like (laughs) go back to it. It's like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
because what's about to happen? Because there's got to be, with the good comes the bad. And why can we not just accept when the good comes in? And I think for you to have this experience of like you ask and you actually get it, you're like, well, crap. Like I just thought in my head that this was going to take two years. And maybe that's even pushing off things that you think you want where it's really easy to talk, right? I can talk about traveling and doing all these wild adventures, but if I don't actually do it, there's a huge disconnect. And sometimes that's a worthiness thing. I think in your situation, you know, I would look at kind of why you want those things and how those things make you feel and how it feels for somebody else to give to you without reciprocation. Mm. Because constantly, I think we're giving, giving, giving so that we don't have to ask because it's uncomfortable. But I was talking, you know, Dan Martell, and he told me it was such a great conversation. This is like a year and a half ago. And he said to me, when you give to somebody without asking for anything, you are not giving them the joy of reciprocating that feeling that you got from giving to them. And he's like, you're not completing the circle. So then you're just setting yourself up with a whole bunch of people that now feel guilty and awkward and weird around you because they're constantly like, it's like the jump rope, you know, you're like, should I go now? Should I help you now? Like how, and it just makes them uncomfortable. Whereas the law of reciprocation, it's like, okay, so I'm going to help you and you're going to help me. And that's going to feel great because we both feel like we're in it together. It doesn't have to, we're not keeping score, but there's always something in our head that feels that way. I think most people don't realize that giving feels good. Totally. Like they don't recognize it like in themselves. Like when they give, they don't take a pause. Look, oh my God, I actually feel really good when I give. Because they don't realize that, they don't recognize that others have the same feeling. Yeah. This goes back to what you were saying earlier about like, I assume every single person has gone through exactly or has experienced or felt everything that I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, actually, it's really funny that you mentioned that story because I think I was talking to... I don't remember who I was talking to, a mutual friend of ours. So I'll, the name will come at some point <laughs> and I will, I will tell you. I think Dan was there mm. and we were talking about friends, asking friends for help. And that came in where, you know, if you think about it, like if a friend asked you for help and if a friend really, really, really needed you, what would you do? You would show up in a heartbeat. Like you would be there. You would put down whatever came up to go help them because that's what you would do. Like you feel good when you do that. Mm-hmm. And it's same thing. Why would you not give a friend of yours the same opportunity to be there for you? And I think that, I don't know what wiring in us stops us from experiencing that, but I hope this podcast episodes puts that to a halt Yeah, because asking for help, giving help are both the same thing. It's the same feeling. It's one person experiencing it over another. Well, and I think it's also like putting yourself in a really vulnerable position because now you're giving them an opportunity to say no. Whereas if I keep giving to you, giving to you, you're going to like me. We're innately people pleasers, right? Some to varying degrees. I would say I'm more on the high end where I just, of course, I want everybody to like me. Like I want to be accepted. I want to belong. I want all these things. And so if I put myself out on the line saying, hey, I feel it's the same thing. I feel lonely or I need this kind of help. It's the same thing. Or will you marry me? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like all of those things. And it's that moment of like, you're about to fall off a cliff when you don't know how they're going to respond and you're just trusting that they're going to say yes, but you don't know. You know, you have an idea that like you're going to ask the right person. They're going to say yes, they're going to want to. But in the like, will you marry me moment? It's like, there's that split. I don't know, but I would imagine there is that split second where you're like, oh crap, I hope she says yes. And then same thing. I feel lonely. You're like, I hope they felt that way too. Same thing. Can you help me with this? If they say no, now what happened? We know how to deal with it when they say yes, but what if they say no? 
Oh, um, you're like driving a wedge into the situation being like, this is a perfectly good friendship. Here's an opportunity for this to go awry, potentially. How do you get comfortable asking for help? <sighs> I don't know. I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not very good at it. I'm terrible. Like, yeah, that is the honest truth is I'm not very good at it. And I have been catching myself a lot prefacing things. So I'll say, it's totally fine if you don't want to do this, but, and so I just try to cut that out. And I'm like, hey, this is what I need and here's why. And so that's how I'm trying to frame things. But yeah, I'm not very good at it. Okay. Well, hopefully we can share lessons yeah, totally. when we figure it out. Yeah. All right. So I had a question from somebody uh, who's listening to this live. And that question is, how did you cultivate your faith and trust in your feelings to where they are right now? Was it through a practice or did it come through just dancing through life and experiencing everything that the world slash universe is giving you? Oh my God. What a beautiful question. Like know, right? just the dancing through life, like that visual for me, I'm a very visual person. So thank you for that question. I think it's just been a practice. I consider everything to be a practice because again, sports analogy really helps me just, all right, it's practice. And so to cultivate the trust in myself I don't think it was ever an intentional thing until I realized that I had been doing it. It was like, oh, okay. I just make time to acknowledge that I'm doing it now. So for you know a long time, it was probably just doing things and just having this, I mean, blind faith and maybe not even. Like at the beginning, right when I started traveling, you know, I was 20 and then I graduated and bought a one-way ticket <laughs> to Taiwan. It was very random. But in that moment, it was like, I actually didn't care if things went badly. Like that is the honest truth was I was going through a lot with like emotionally with my dad passing away. And I was just like, well, screw it. If I die, who cares? And it wasn't that I was like out to kill myself or anything, but I was like, it doesn't matter. But I just realized that like when I was going through all these risky things, I still came out the other side and was like, oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever done. The riskier, the better for me in a lot of those situations. So then now I think it becomes just checking in with myself, acknowledging why I'm proud of myself when I do something that feels uncomfortable and rewarding myself for that. I think pride is a huge one. You know, I think when you feel proud of who you are in the moment, mm -hmm. that's what builds that trust. Totally. Right? Because that's really what we're going. If you think about why we even work so hard, why we build businesses, why we grow ourselves, why we want to do anything that's not comfortable, mm -hmm is for a feeling of fulfillment, which I think is like a precursor to like pride. Yep. Like when you feel proud of yourself, that's almost like you fulfilling that well of not being enough or like you're telling yourself, I am enough. Yep. I'm enough right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is who I am and this is what I've got. And that pride, I, th I think pride is, a, is an understated emotion to be chasing. Well, and even what you said right now, like, I don't have to be proud of my entire life, but right now I'm proud of myself. And that is a win for me. And that's the question I ask myself at the end of the day, right? It's not like, what three things did I accomplish today? It's like, what am I proud of? What's one thing that I'm proud of? And it doesn't have to be a list of 17 things. Whatever. It's like, I went to the gym today. That feels great. I'm proud of myself for that. Okay, great. And now I get to move on, but it's presence is such a powerful thing. So it's like almost the presence of pride really is like being really present in what I'm doing and being proud of who I am right now, as opposed, I mean, that could change in five minutes and I'll be like, mm, I shouldn't have said that or whatever. But in that moment, just feeling it, but like really feeling it. Staying present in pride is a mm. very powerful concept. People talk about like bottling up motivation. I think bottling up motivation, bottling up feelings for a later date is mm -hmm. presence. Mm -hmm. Because when you get present 
in a feeling. Like, well, let's say gratitude. Let's take gratitude as an example, right? Gratitude's a cheat code. Like I've always mm. believed. Like mm-hmm. when you feel grateful about something, you start to reminisce on the things that you are proud of, the things that make you feel happy, the the love in your life, mm-hmm. right? And when you stay present in that, it's almost like that guiding force. It's like a it's it's that motivation that you can pull from. Mm-hmm. I think pride. Is, is just like another one of those emotions. Like instead of just not eat, what, what am I grateful for? It's almost like, like, what am I proud of? Yeah. Let's look at my life. Like, what have I done? What have I accomplished? Like, how did I dance with that crazy situation <laughs> I had last yeah. week? Like, and how did I navigate it? Like, how awesome am I? That's almost as powerful of a daily practice to me. Mm-hmm. It's just acknowledging your awesomeness, which it sounds like you do pretty regularly. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh if not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call you awesome right now because there's just a lot that I took mm. from that. Well, I feel like, I mean, just as kids, right, we don't reward the kids for the actual practicing or the going through the motions as far as like getting better or learning or improving, right? We're always like, you got an A on a paper, that's an outcome. I just was never asked, like, do you feel proud of that or you must be proud of yourself. I just, it was always like, you must be so proud of somebody else. So it was never about me. And that's not to say that anybody who I grew up with, whatever, you know, asked the wrong questions, but I, I feel like that has made such a huge difference in my life to be like, yeah, I'm doing the best I can with what I've got right now. Again, everything might change tomorrow. I have no idea, but for right now, like, why don't we just, if we could just remove all of the judgment of like, yeah, that I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to do that. It's just exhausting. I just got so sick of my own BS that I was like, ugh. and I remember exactly where I was <laughs> when I just decided I was like, this is enough. I'm tired of having body image issues. I'm tired of not feeling like I'm smart enough. I'm tired of comparing myself to everybody. And I think I just got to this breaking point because that had been my life the entire time. And it's not to say I don't struggle with all of that stuff on a daily basis, but I feel way more comfortable now than before. So beautiful. We had another question. I see my business as an extension of myself. How do I channel my heart and my capacity to love for people through my business so that my business can serve the people around me? There are just so many ways, but I think the most basic fundamental part is just to help somebody. And when you show up in a present way for somebody, it is so powerful and your heart can't help but come through, right? And so that I mean, I sit all the time before I write a sales page or an email or whatever, and I close my eyes and I visualize the person on the other end who's going to receive that and how they're going to feel or a podcast. It's like, you know, before I came here, I was thinking, I was like, all right, so I'm just like visualizing your audience, like one person in a room listening to our episode with my name on it and whatever, being like, oh, that resonates with me because it's one person. Mm -hmm. And so if you are really in alignment like, I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, it's kind of thrown around now, but really getting in alignment with your values and what you stand for, who you are, your heart can't help but come through in your writing, in your videos, in your podcasting, in whatever channel you choose. But it's being open to that and really being okay with whatever comes out and trusting that whatever comes out is what is supposed to be heard by somebody. It's going to resonate with someone, even if they don't message you, even if you don't get a like on Facebook, it's just really showing up and allowing whatever's supposed to come through for you to be that vessel for them to hear what they need to hear. I have so many questions on alignment from you because the way you just explained alignment said chills up my spine. Mm. Cause you're right. When you align purpose, your passion, your vision, your mission, your audience, the people you want to help, the people you have helped, what you're good at, and you just line it all up, 
your heart, how does it not come mm-hmm. out? Because you're playing full out. Like you're playing with everything you've got. Like you're so intentional about designing your your life, your business, everything to come through in a straight line. I mean, that's just like, it's a slingshot mm-hmm. of just emotion and love and passion that can all come out at once. So uh, you actually just gave me a lot to think about in my own business. So thank mm. you for that. Yeah, I think of it as, a, as like a slide. Like in my head, it's like a slide from basically like, I don't know, the top of my head or like source or whatever comes in through the top of my head out through my heart, right? And so it's like, it is what you said, which is everything is coming into a line. It's coming into a slide, all these like jagged pieces smooth out. And then all of a sudden it just like comes right through and you can't help it. And so in moments, I mean, right now I'm having this moment where I just, I actually don't even remember the start of our conversation. I don't either. (laughs) It feels effortless. (laughs) Totally. And that's when you know, like on stage, uh, when I'm speaking things, I black out and I just have no idea what happened. And and then later I'm like, well, I hope that was good. I don't know. But I trust that like, well, all right, somebody needed to hear that. So I think we're going to run with just it. Just make an observation on this. Like when you're operating in alignment, it makes trust come easy. Totally. Because when you're aligned, you can trust that you've done the work to line everything up. Not when it's not now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I took the time to get my life in alignment. I took the time to design my business or my my, my whatever, right? My family, everything in alignment with what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. So now I can let go. Yeah. Now I can trust. Now I can show up and now I can use any medium. doesn't matter if it's a podcast or a blog or a conversation with a friend or you showing up somewhere. Like I can show up as myself because I've done the homework already. It's like preparing for a podcast. Like I always have a list of questions and then I just throw, you know, I kind of know the flow of what I want to happen, but that's it is like just being able to be present because you've been prepared, right? So it's preparing first and then that allows for presence. And alignment is the preparation for life. Totally. Being in alignment is you being prepared for this game we call life. And then you're just showing up to the test, not knowing what's going to get thrown at you, but because you did your homework, Mm -hmm. you can show up and operate with as much authentic passion, love, purpose, and presence as you want to. Mic drop. There Boom, you go. Baby. <laughs> Boom, baby. All right. We got another question for you. God, these questions are great. Guys, you guys need to be podcasters. Did <laughs> Link to the day when you realized you'd had enough of comparing yourself. Did everything unravel in that moment or was it a process and how did you accelerate that? The first thing I want to say is that I don't think there's any acceleration tactic. Like I can't be like, oh, well then do this step one, step two, step three. But here's what I realized is that there was an acknowledgement that I hadn't been making. And so it was that first acknowledgement. It was the audit of my life. You know, I have this whole like unbecoming process. I don't want to like go through the whole thing, but (laughs) the first part is it's like, it's auditing your life. And I had never, it's, and then the alignment piece, which I think a lot of people step over because it's hard and it's not sexy and it's pulling pieces of your life out. And it's going back and revisiting that and feeling into those moments. And so when I had that moment, I was in Costa Rica with my feet in the water and I just started, I was like kicking (laughs) the waves and I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm so sick of my, yeah, of my own BS. That's all I kept saying. It was almost an unraveling, but it was like a slow burn. So it was like, okay, I acknowledged it. Here I am. And then as I like prodded, right, it's, it takes work to start prodding and it takes, you know, I think you have to be really courageous to figure it because you don't know what's about to come out when you open Pandora's box. It's like, that can be a deep, dark, scary hole to go into. But if you're up for it, then that's where all of the, 
the love comes from, like the trusting, the actually figuring out what your whole life has been trying to tell you because all of these seasons of life have been bringing you to right now when if you want to know what to do with your life, look at your past. Look at all the red threads that have come throughout the different seasons of your life. And so I don't think there's an acceleration tool, but I will say the first step is in acknowledging it and then taking the steps necessary to actually dissect and deep dive. And I think it really is aligning with people that you really resonate with going to people that have had, you know, similar things, not necessarily in details, but in the, you know, core emotions and, and people who are where you want to be and they've done the work. And so going, using them as almost a vessel, a channel, you know, a sidekick to be like, okay, and then what happened and not, you know, and feeling really understood and really heard. And that can be in the shape of a therapist. That can be a podcast host that you really resonate with. That can also be, you know, a coach or a mentor or something like that. But I feel like I had to do a lot of it on my own because I didn't know who to go to. I was too embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, I'm 28 and I haven't dealt with all this other stuff. I should have it figured out by now. I should be further ahead. I've got to be a millionaire in two years, like all this stuff that was just so unnecessary. The moment that lid came off, I just made a commitment to myself that I was going to go as low as I needed to go to figure all this out. And I still don't have it all figured out, obviously, but, <laughs> um, but I'm trying really hard, you I know, the permission, mm. I mean, giving yourself the permission to feel those, right. When you open Pandora's box, it can be pretty damn scary. Yeah. It can be pretty damn painful. Mm-hmm. It can hold a lot of, it's almost like a spring that's just been locked in, totally. and like been pushing it underneath the bed. And then all of a sudden you open it up and it's just going to come out and probably right hook you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yep. after that. There's no more tension. And now it's just, it's, it's free and it's flowing. How do you build the courage to get past that first right hook? I think a lot of it is just to quickly say one thing about the right hook and the spring and pushing it down is like, I think that's the same as the catastrophe, right? And so how do we open the box before it's busting at the seams? Mm, and yeah. so to get the courage to open the box, I mean, I just think it's a decision. Like it's just a commitment to yourself. Everything has been leading you to this moment. And if you're cool with that, that's awesome. But if you're missing or you're sitting there feeling like, I just, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't have that like real meaning or purpose or passion or whatever word you want to insert there. You don't have the connection, the depth that you're looking for. There's something bigger and better for you. We're all supposed to be living in these, you know, in flow states. And I think there are different times where you're in it, out of it, and that's natural. But if you look, if you have the thought that, Maybe there's something more. Maybe there's somewhere deeper I should go. Chances are it's telling you that for a reason, that there's somewhere, something deeper in there that you need to go scrape out and, and look at. And if you can remove the emotion and the feeling and the, the fear from it, and actually, like when I look at my life, I look at it as though I'm somebody else. Like I look at it as though I'm watching someone else's life or a movie or something. It just takes the charge out of it. So then I can look at it and be like, oh, oh my gosh, that was so cute when she did that. Oh, what an idiot. I can't believe she did that. But it's like, remove the judgment. So maybe I'm not an idiot, but you know, it's, it's the thought of, okay, so now without any emotion or charge or emotional connection to it, I can fine tune that and I can tweak it and I can see why this person behaved in that way because it's not me. But now then it's like the integration of like, now you just got to practice that and catch yourself as you do it. So much wisdom just being like brought from your journey right now. And I just want to acknowledge you mm. for your journey. Like I said, I know you don't think you're being graceful, but I think <laughs> I experience a lot of grace oh, in you. just the way that you're navigating your own journey. And maybe that is 
from the work you've done. Maybe that's just because you're in alignment, but you know, I, I'm experiencing that and I have to say mm. it. So I hope you're proud of yourself. Thank you. You're, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I am. Well, that's, that's, that's so the nice. goal. That's the goal, Phoebe. <laughs> that's my goal. Uh, my... <laughs> but uh, sorry, let's tell everyone about your podcast, what mm. you have going on. How can people support you and just be a part of their own unbecoming, I guess, my own brand? Am yeah. I, did, did I say that <laughs> nice right? One. I'll, I say that I'll tip you later. So my, yeah, so the unbecoming is really just it's exactly what we've been talking about in terms of like, so it's a practice of releasing judgment and expectations to be who you are meant to be, to have that fulfilling life, to get more meaning into your life and business. And so similar to your show, I'm every week and um, you can find that on becomingpodcast.com. If you want to head over there, I have a community just, you know, very similar to you. But what I really think is like, go with the people who resonate with you. Right. And if this is like, eh, you know, it's fine. And there's room <laughs> for everybody. And that's totally cool. And I know I'm not going to resonate with a lot of people. And I hope that one person hears something that they learn something from this. And so that's really how you can get a hold of me. I'm moving a lot more. We were talking about before the show into podcasting as a channel for truth and for living and for expressing yourself. And I think there is so much joy and wisdom and fun to be had so much more than people experience in their business when it comes to podcasting and having amazing conversations like this that I want to share with more people. So I'm very accessible, which I really, <laughs> I like, I'm always on Instagram and, um, I would love to, I mean, I have a six, this is the other thing. I have a six part unbecoming success series. So it's just really short unbecoming audios that go walk you through the st six steps and it pulls out one exercise and it's bite size. It's amazing. I love it. I'm, I'm very proud of that. It just, it feels, it feels like me. I love it. Well, well guys, we're going to make all these links available in the show notes. Phoebe's a personal friend of mine and I can vouch for how amazing she is. And if this conversation was any glimpse into the type of person uh, Phoebe is, uh, you're going to really love her show and everything she's up to. So I have one last question for you, Phoebe. Yeah. In the midst of everything you've experienced and everything you continue to do in your life, how do you stay grounded? I want to have a really simple answer to this, but I don't. I just, I create space for myself to be present every day. And whatever that looks like for me in the moment is what it is. So that could be meditation. That could be making my bed. But I look at everything as a meditative process. And the more I can be in that. And the other thing is I play with kids a lot. <laughs> so that's a really honest answer. <laughs> so I, I want to be like, I meditate every day. I don't. But figuring out what allows me to feel more present and to stay in that moment. You know, I'm going to just add on to the kids thing. I remember uh, a really good friend of mine. Um, he was like one of my first friends to really have a baby. And I remember I went over to his home like a month and a half or two months after his baby was born. And I went in there and, you know, like she, she's a baby. I've never actually like held a baby before, <laughs> like ever in my life. And I remember when like I held his baby at the time, I think I was going through like super tough stuff in business. Like we were we just had tons of issues and problems and I had all these things just happen in my life. But I don't know what, but when I picked up his daughter Everything else stopped mattering. Mm -hmm. Like it was the craziest thing. I don't know what it is about just genuine human connection with kids that that you're like the first person I've ever heard confirm that in mm. my own mind. <laughs> so like I'm just really curious. And I we could probably talk a whole hour on this later. <laughs> yeah. But like I think it's amazing. And I just love I love you, Phoebe. You're <laughs> amazing. So, anyways, I I love the presence and 
Yeah, I'm a fan, to say the least. <laughs> I, the feeling is very mutual, right. but I will say I I talked I FaceTime with my nephew all the time. This like sounds so. I said this to my coach, and I was like, "How sad is that? That I really genuinely feel like my best relationship in my life is with my ne- my three year old nephew." And he goes, "Or how pure and how unconditional." And I just like burst out crying, and I was like, "That's how I feel." Is like. For so, he loves me no matter how much money I make, how I look today, if my hair looks good, what I'm doing, where I'm living. He loves me no matter what. You can't break a connection like that. And so that's why I think any kind of kid just pulls you into this present moment. It's unbelievable. It's almost like unconditional love is the thing that pulls you into the present moment. Unconditional love for whatever is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love for yourself. Unconditional love experienced through a medium like children or pets or really anything. I mean, I think that, I think unconditional love is where we came from and where we're going to end up. So when we experience it, it creates a very amazing connection. Totally. Oh man, I don't want this conversation to end, but guys, we're going to have to wrap this up. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, we'll make all these, all these links available, but that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I am your host, Raj. This is your friend, Phoebe. And from us, Stay grounded. We'll chat real soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.